Hey, 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 everybody. My name is Ryan Atkinson, and you are on the Business Cloud. If you like entrepreneurship, health, stories, SpaceX, uh, grit, uh, fun, then this episode is seriously for you. Uh, we're joined by Josh Clemente, who's the CEO and founder of Levels, um, which is unlocking metabolic health. Uh, by the use of a CGM and the way that Josh describes it is awesome. This dude has like the sharpest mind like <laughs> I've interacted with. Um, he was a great, great guest to have on. Uh, just throughout uh, his story on Levels is so cool. He would prick his finger like 60 times a day, guys. That is, I'm a diabetic and that is crazy to me. Um, so this was an awesome episode. I loved having Josh on. This was a lot of fun to record. Um, you guys are definitely going to have to check out the Levels Health blog that even plugs at the end. And it'll also be in the description. Um, and if you have as much fun listening to this episode as I did recording it, please press follow. Please press subscribe. Uh, it really does mean a lot to me. Um, and I know just Josh is going to do awesome things. And I'm really excited for him and Levels. So let's jump into the episode. Let's hear more about Josh and Levels. Josh, thank you so much for joining us. All right, thanks a lot for having me on. I'm excited to jump into this uh, this stuff that I care quite about, quite a bit about, and I know you do too. <laughs> yeah, I'm super excited. To just yeah, talk all things CGMs, blood sugar, and how you started this. Um, before we get started, I got to ask you our fun question. Um, so, some what is something that you're happy to splurge on money wise? Something that you're just happy? Yeah, I'll probably spend a few more bucks than I, I should. <laughs> <laughs> um, the two things, because I, I, I can't limit it to one, are food and books. So, oh, I love um, that. Yeah, like food, it's something that's changed over time. I used to be the the type that would just whatever's the cheapest, I will buy it, no matter what yep. rock bottom prices. <laughs> that's how I, was, I took pride in living on forty dollars a week of groceries or whatever. And now I'm yep. the opposite. Like, obviously, stage of life matters. I'm not a college kid anymore, but uh, <laughs> I will splurge on the nicer ingredients that come from sources that I understand. And then books, I, I think. Somebody somewhere, it might've been Paul Graham. He just said like, give yourself an unlimited book budget relative to yep. your income and you will never regret it. And I took that to heart. And so now if somebody recommends a book, I buy it and uh, it. happy to happy to get that, that knowledge and, and also to contribute to people who put in thousands of time more, uh, I think of their life into the information than I will. That's what, that's what I honestly love about books is someone could spend like thousands of hours doing a bunch of research and it takes you... 10 hours to read it. It's phenomenal. I love it. That's right. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's the best source of information. <laughs> that is for sure. Um, but I want to turn over the floor to you. Can you give us a quick introduction about like who you are and why I'm so excited to have you? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, my, my background is, uh, is mechanical engineering. I have a focus in heat transfer and uh, sort of systems engineering, but I started off as a mechanical engineer, I wanted to work on cars, uh, tried to cool. get a job at Tesla after school. I was obsessed with, nice. with vehicles, um, as a kid growing up and Tesla, honestly, like just couldn't fit me in. I got an internship yeah. and they basically turned me away and we're like, we're moving our design offices. And so on a whim, I just asked for help. I was like, well, how, how do I confirm <laughs> that I have a spot waiting for me? And they're like, well, we can't do that. But if uh -huh. you want to work at another Elon company, like SpaceX is looking for for engineers. And that, that seemed like a stretch. I mean, I was, again, I, I just did not think that I had, uh, aerospace in me. I was, a just yeah. a mechanical engineer, you know? So I, <laughs> I figured I might as well go for it. Applied, uh, worked every angle I could to get, to get introductions and recommendations in there. And, uh, finally, I, after three months of, of, from graduation, I was selling used cars and I finally got a call from the SpaceX recruiter and started, six years of, uh, 
of engineering there. And it was a, it was another education in and of oh, yeah. itself. Um, started to learn about mental models that include things like first principles thinking, as opposed to yep. just like industry thinking. Um, so cool. Yeah. And, and it was the time of my life. And from there, <laughs> it, it uh, ultimately, I was able to lead a team that was developing pressurized astronaut life support systems. So it was things yeah. like ox- oxygen breathing apparatus, uh, the spacesuit hookups, the pressure controls for the, for the spaceship capsule. Um, just a lot of really interesting stuff that started to expose so me neat. to human performance. And it was there on that project that I actually uh, first became exposed to metabolism as a concept that it. could be optimized. And, and that ultimately led me to what I'm doing now. Yeah, I love that. And so how did you learn? Uh, so you come from like mechanical background, mechanical engineering background, and didn't really know a lot about the uh, aerospace industry. How did you like learn in the industry? Mm. The n- nice thing about the environment of SpaceX is that it is not a credentialist environment, meaning okay. <laughs> uh, there, there was actually someone who, who I really look up to uh, who was a geologist uh, by training and that, and, and that was designing the main structure of the rocket bodies at, at SpaceX. And the way that happens is just uh, somebody so at SpaceX is like, look, I need help on this project. And I know this person who, despite their, despite what they look like on paper, is amazing at this thing. Can we please like consider wow. them for, for a position? And, and then that person gets uh, evaluated. They come in, they work hard, they demonstrate that they can do it. And no one really ever cares whether or not they have a PhD yeah. or a master's degree in structural engineering. And so that is, that's kind of how it goes is that like being a, a green mechanical engineer, but having just a complete obsession with what we were doing and, and really yeah. being immersed in the expertise around me was was key it's just like spending mm-hmm. a lot of hours there paying attention or asking help from people who who know it better than i do like basically trying to get office hours with other engineers at the company is how i learned and uh and you you basically pick it up by osmosis and over time you start to see how other people are are doing things to to save mm-hmm. themselves a lot of effort that might be uh <laughs> you know collaboration you take a little of their work they take a little of yours so you can make it easy on each other but at the end of the day it's just um i think it all comes down to the environment that that rewards effort as opposed to um, mm-hmm. qualifications. Yeah, and that brings up a, a question that I had in mind, like how important is surrounding yourself with people that are so helpful or so ambitious or so hardworking? How has that helped like you and your development? It's everything. I, I mean, I think there's a certain degree of, they're, they're kind of different spectrums of people, obviously, and, and all the different mm-hmm. personality traits. Some, some people prefer to just kind of retreat into the information and learn on their own and others yeah. pick up information through uh, kind of almost reverse engineering, watching other people. Cool. Um, and I'm more of that type, you know, I can definitely yeah. read a book and get the concepts, but to see it in action is completely different. And so I, for me mm-hmm. personally, the way that my brain works, having people around that are willing mentors is just absolutely yeah. crucial. You know what I mean? And, and this, is, this says nothing about tenure. It's a, to be a mentor, you don't have to be someone who's completed an entire career and is retired yeah. or something like that. Um, you can mentor each other on, on just like specific passions and interests that you've developed over, over mm-hmm. only a short period of time. And so, you know, having a tight group of friends that spend a lot of time uh, working on interesting problems, even across industries is a really great way to develop, uh, you know, intuition and knowledge in spaces that you, you don't work in. And, and that's kind of what I've realized and learned in my own life is that I, I really want to surround myself with people who are motivated, passionate about that. not just learning, but also sharing that information. Yeah. And I know we have really haven't talked about levels, but like at levels, like, is that how, who you're surrounding yourself? Is it like really that critical point on like a players that are going to help you and help the company like grow? Or is that kind of a mindset you have with finding the company? 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the team is everything. So SpaceX has achieved a, a ton of amazing things and it mm-hmm. is, it's not Elon who, you know, e- Elon is a great leader, honestly, yeah. <laughs> uh, but he, he has to, and he does understand that the team is how these things get accomplished. And so he has yeah. to motivate people to align with the mission and then work really, really hard to get it done. And, uh, and so that's like, I think that holds true across every major achievement mm-hmm. that is happening amongst teams is that, um, you know, it, it, it's the, it's greater than the sum of its parts. And so at levels, you know, we're looking for the world-class so people across each of the verticals that we have to execute in. And there's a lot, you know, we, we have metabolism and physiology, we have psychology and behavior oh, yeah. change. We have the science of, of sensors and hardware and biosensing, all of these things, content and education, you know, and, and so we, Although again, we, we aren't qualificationists. We're not credentialists. We're not looking yeah. for someone who, you know, who has, again, the, uh, who's best in class yeah. on, on their resume, what we're looking for are people who have built things before, you know, demonstrations, mm-hmm. they, they know how to take the theory and turn it into an actionable product that can be passed on and scaled. And so, yeah, that, that's what we're optimi- optimizing for is the sweet spot between, uh, I think education, knowledge, knowledge capture and uh, execution and, and velocity. Yeah. Honestly, I, I gotta say this already. Like you're like talking, I'm like, like chills. Like, like you are like very sharp minded. I can tell. And like, you're no. saying like concepts are like, it's like, what in the world? But I have to, we, we have to ask like, what is levels health? I should have asked this before. Cause I have thousands of questions to follow up after that one. So, so what is levels <laughs> health? How'd you come up with the idea of what is it? <laughs> yeah. So, so levels, um, I, I like to summarize it as levels tells you uh, how your food and lifestyle affect your health in as close yep. to real time as possible. The way that we do this today is we we take information from sensors like continuous glucose monitors, and we develop actionable insights up on top of them. So yep. you have this raw data coming out of a sensor that is telling you something about a molecule in your body. For most people, that molecule, that raw data has absolutely no context. All they yeah. know is these are numbers. Mm-hmm. What should I eat for lunch? Right. Most of us sit down, uh, you ask them, what are you going to eat for lunch and why they, they come up with a blank stare or they say, I'm going to yeah. eat this thing that I read on the internet or something that my mom has always cooked for me because, or something that just tastes good. Well, yeah. um, with, with this raw data, uh, that comes from the, the current generation of biological sensors, we can now build, uh, with sophisticated software, a path to better decision-making. So instead yeah. of just leaving people up to their own devices to try and figure out what, you know, what this data means, or to just eat based off. Uh, emotion or intuition. Instead, you can have real-time feedback from your own body yep. in as close to zero time as possible. And so we, you know, to, to summarize, levels builds feedback loops based on biological sensors to tell you how to, to build your lifestyle. And, and it is personalized to the individual. Um, today, we are a, a full program that, that includes um, telehealth access to continuous glucose sensors, uh, oh, cool. including a prescription consultation with a physician. And then you get access to not only those, uh, those sensor devices, but then the level software suite that sits on top of it and provides you right. with a full month of sort of guided uh, exploration of how your body responds to the choices you're making across nutrition, exercise, sleep, and stress. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then helps you sort of reformulate your, your choices in those areas in order to achieve better metabolic health optimization, ideally over a long period of time. I love that. And what, so what health decisions you say, like you're being more conscious making the decisions because what I'm having for lunch, I know what, how it affects me. Um, what like health decisions have you seen yourself change and like people that have used this, uh, like what changes have they made because they've been on levels? So 
when I started, uh, when I started out on this kind of journey that ultimately led here, yeah. I was working at SpaceX. <laughs> I was, um, I was kind of burning the the fuse at all ends at the same time, essentially. So I uh, really wanted to succeed. So I was really working all the time. I, um, yeah. I didn't sleep much. I ate whatever I could get my hands on. And cheap. I whatever basically, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, well <laughs> SpaceX at that time, you know, they, they provided a lot of meals, but I, I've always had a sweet tooth. So um, yeah. as someone who I was also a CrossFit trainer. I'm still a CrossFit trainer. Somebody who mm-hmm. has always been fairly physically fit. Um, I can, I can say that I think pretty confidently, but has not, uh, ever had an issue with weight gain. I, I basically ate whatever was in front of me. And I, I would, I would literally eat candy for dinner at, at periods of time <laughs> in my life. I'm embarrassed to say. Um, but all of this kind of eventually built up to a point where one day I just had this realization, like, I don't feel healthy you know, physically fit is one thing. Health is something entirely different. And so I had this mm-hmm. moment where I just was like, huh, I feel miserable, like mm-hmm. mentally and physically I am fatigued. I am, I'm irritable. I, <laughs> I, I don't remember honestly, the last time I felt good. And wow. this, this was a surprising juxtaposition because like the traditional assumptions I had were that, uh, if you, that a, a calorie is a calorie, it doesn't matter if it's broccoli or Skittles, it's yeah. the same. It's just energy. And B, <laughs> that if you are a fit person, because exercise equals health, then you are a healthy person. And so I was like, yeah. huh, I mean, I don't have any extra weight. Doctor says everything's good. Why am I not feeling <laughs> great? Uh, and that is the moment where everything changed for me. I started to, um, I started to explore metabolic health and, and by the way, for, for those that are listening and we keep throwing this word metabolic around, uh, metabolism is often thought of as fast or slow metabolism, like how quickly you digest and like process your food. Uh, the reality is metabolism is all of the processes that occur in your cells to turn your food and your environment into energy, right? So it's everything you're exposed to the sunlight, Mm -hmm. the water you drink, the food that you eat, that all all has to turn into energy. Every cell in your body needs energy to effectively Mm -hmm. to perform. And so metabolic health means how well are your cells accomplishing that task? How well are they, how efficient are they at taking uh, the fuel you give them and turning them into energy? And so that, that was my issue is I I thought, okay, something's wrong with my energy systems. Cause the primary Mm -hmm. symptom I had was uh, just extreme fatigue. And I started to experiment or to explore the literature, like what, what is involved in metabolism? Uh, Mm -hmm. Okay. Glucose glucose is the primary energy molecule for the modern human. That's like what most of our cells run on. So I started measuring my glucose using a little finger stick thing and pricking my finger and tracking oh. it in an Excel spreadsheet. Like it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Oh, that's sick. I like that. It's a, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's how it all started. And, uh, I was just trying to look for anything. I, I didn't really didn't know what I was looking for, but just first start with the data. And, uh, and so over time I, I started to develop a data set, like didn't really make any sense. It's just kind of clouds of measurements. And then I read this book called Wired to Eat. And in the book, Rob Wolf describes a continuous glucose monitor. And so this is a sensor that I had never heard of this before. Uh, yep. It was developed for the management of diabetes and it gives you a continuous data stream of your glucose. And I mean, it was just light bulb moment. I was like, oh man, that is what I need immediately. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm basically, I'm kind of doing that myself, except it's not yeah. continuous. I'm pricking my finger and bleeding on strips like every couple minutes. Might and, as well uh, automate it. <laughs> exactly. That's all automated. It's <laughs> so convenient. So I went to my doctor. I asked for a prescription for one of these CGM devices. And he basically laughed me out of his office. He was just like, that's ridiculous. You, you are wow. not diabetic. And not only that, but like, even if you were diabetic, 
only for uncontrolled diabetes, where in, you know, uncontrolled type two diabetes, when insulin is needed, do you ever mm-hmm. need to consider a CGM other than that? Like wow. you don't need to care about glucose. And, uh, that was like, that doesn't sound right. I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> you know, just speaking with my engineer hat on when I, when I develop systems that have to function, uh, mm-hmm. and when you're hands-off, right. In an environment where you can't fix them, yeah. um, you don't just not measure something until it breaks. Like you get yeah. as much data <laughs> as possible about the health of that system continuously because you don't want it to fail. And you want to be able to see as it starts to break down, as opposed to waiting and then trying to re- like back out of a failure when that has already yeah. happened, like that's unlikely to work. And so uh, I was just like, huh, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you hmm. wait until something's failed? Right. Um, anyway, to, to make this whole long story short, the, the ultimate realization was that these devices are they provide the most valuable data data stream that I had ever come across. Uh, I put one on and within two weeks, I had enough data to know that I was spending significant portions of my time in the pre-diabetic blood sugar zones. And this was all driven by my decisions, by my, my lifestyle, effectively the meals Mm -hmm. I was eating, the poor sleep or lack thereof. And the other lifestyle choices, like drinking in nearly an entire pot of coffee every single day, you know, these were driving (laughs) me into this like hyper-stressed high blood sugar uh, mm-hmm. and sort of blood sugar variability zone. And it only came about that I understood this through just reading papers, like digging wow. into primary research. And I just had this moment where I thought, A, this technology is incredible and it's really hard to get your hands on. And B, yeah. the once you do get it, the, the data is not really actionable. Like it's very, mm-hmm. it's very opaque. And there's an opportunity here, I think, to truly scale the opportunity for every person to achieve better metabolic fitness. And I say yeah. metabolic fitness because, um, you know, like I, I said a, f- a few minutes ago, like metabolic health is not either fast or slow, or you're not mm-hmm. either, either metabolically healthy or unhealthy. In reality, it's a spectrum of health and everyone yeah. is somewhere on that spectrum. And just like going to the gym and putting reps in to get stronger, if you are making the right decisions day after day with focus, effort, and repetition, you can improve your metabolic function as well. And so that's why yeah. we refer to it as metabolic fitness. And that's ultimately what, what levels is intended to do. That's uh well, I must give you props because pricking your finger like 60 times a day, like I hate doing it twice. I'm a, I'm a diabetic. And when I have to prick my finger, it's like, oh my God, this is so archaic. Like, why am I back in like the 1600s? <laughs> so to give all that data is amazing. Hats off, claps to you. Um, oh, I mean, what it was you- a little bit crazy, I admit. <laughs> <laughs> what's so were you still at SpaceX when you were like getting all this data for yourself like understanding why like okay and then my question to that is like so how did you ultimately decide to take that step into I'm going to solve this problem and leave SpaceX like like that's a crazy decision to make isn't it <laughs> that's so, crazy um, <laughs> yeah it, it is crazy in retrospect but actually like the timeline was was quite quite a bit longer um, I, I finished up my the most extreme part of my project at SpaceX after about six years. And I, I had this opportunity to go work on another startup, which, um, which I, I did on and off for several years. And, and then I also had this opportunity to work at Hyperloop. So I kind of, I decided that I was going to go branch out and try to be entrepreneurial even before I left SpaceX. I was like, all right, I'm going to go do this because I, I could see myself working at SpaceX forever, but I want to make sure that I, I give this this entrepreneurship thing a, a shot. And, and actually at that time had not even, I had not worn a CGM yet. I had only been pricking my finger while I was at SpaceX. I then went to, I, I went out and I worked on the startup project and I, I also spent a year at Hyperloop. And it was then I finally was able to get a doctor to 
well, actually a, a doctor did, did not prescribe me. A friend of mine went to Australia where these devices are over the counter and he brought back a CGM, which I was able to, to borrow from him or use actually, because uh, they are disposable. And that was the only way I could get a CGM. And, and that experience um, now several years on from when I started pricking my finger was the light bulb moment. It was when after all of this effort, after pricking my finger 60 times a day, but not having any realizations, that's uh -huh. when I realized, wow, I, I actually have pretty dysfunctional glucose levels. I mean, they're not, mm -hmm. uh, it's not so bad that I, you know, I'm near a diabetes diagnosis, but it is entirely my fault. I'm driving yeah. these glucose variability, these, this roller coaster that I'm riding, which by the way, like the, the large peaks are not what I was feeling. It's the crashes that came after them that oh, are, yeah. that synced up with my fatigue. Right. And so, um, I started to just improve my, my meal selections just through trial and error being having yeah. that data stream was the most insightful opportunity I ever had to, to make decisions, uh, and then improve them be, based mm -hmm. on data from that original decision. And so, um, anyway, that, that whole process of trial and error ultimately led me to feeling significantly better and having just yeah. completely different glucose control. Um, and, and that's when I, I thought, you know what? Um, as much as I love working on high-speed tunnel transportation, I, I think <laughs> I, I think I have to go work on this because I'm I'm just insanely obsessed with it. I was spending all night reading papers and and just daydreaming about it, and so that was that was ultimately what I had to go do. Yeah, I mean, I have like like thirty questions that come off of that, but like but that's like what I want to ask next is like so is that when entrepreneurs you think should really take that next step? Is it like I can't get this idea off my mind? Like I need to actually go pursue this, like you did, or what are your thoughts on that? I, I personally, and this is a bit biased because that's my experience. I yeah. think that that's necessary. And the reason I say that is that it is impossible to predict what is coming next. When you make that decision, it, you're, you're yeah. riding a high, <laughs> like it's, it's very similar to riding a high where you're, you're just like, this is, this is a, a complete obsession. I love this space. I love this idea. I'm convinced it's going to work. And you, you know, you, you decide to jump off the ledge, whatever that is, whether that's leaving <laughs> Hyperloop or, or, or what have you. Um, and, and then time starts to go by and right. And progress is slower than you had hoped. And, and things are complicated in a way that you hadn't predicted. And if you, I truly believe, and it took me almost two years from the time that I left Hyperloop of being completely unemployed with no income stream, living off savings to ultimately have the very first positive development in the levels <laughs> in the level story and that is when i was able to to get a co-founder to join me up until that point it was just a a solo fairly lonely and uh i would say slow moving somewhat disappointing experience right and and it was strictly the personal i think vindication that like not vindication that's the wrong, conviction uh that this is something that should exist that got me through yeah. it. Like I continued to use CGMs. I continued to learn from them. I continued to like, to love that data stream and learn more and more from it. And that is the thing that got me to stick with it. It's just like that, that passion. Oh, right. And I, I definitely would have abandoned ship if, if it were something else. And so that's, that's just my perspective. I, I think it's possible to do in other ways, but um, probably much more challenging. Did you expect entrepreneurship to be like that lonely at the beginning or? No, I, I, I'm kind of a, I have the perception that is often, it's like the grass is always greener sort of perception. So I certainly Same. was like, oh yeah, I'm just going to go start a company. And it's going to be fantastic. And we're going to like achieve this great goal. And, um, I, and then I, I went and went after that. And I think that 
when the rubber hits the road, like as a, as a solo individual, you can start to get, um, I think pretty quickly distracted in a way that is mm -hmm. much harder if you have a team. So this is one of the challenging things about being a, a solo entrepreneur is that, um, there are a lot of shiny objects. You, you haven't really structured your thoughts. You haven't mapped the surface of the things you need to achieve to get to your goal. And so I spent a lot of time like chasing down rabbit holes of like business and legal requirements and regulations that uh, yeah. having someone else to, to like really be at, at your side, helping you gauge priority would probably have, have helped me avoid some of that. So, um, yeah, it, it like, it's, you're almost in an echo chamber of one. So it's really important, I think as quickly as possible to a get feedback from people who like who you trust and then, yeah. and then be start building the team. You, you really have to do that quickly. Mm -hmm. I love that. And like, I just got the notification on my phone that my blood sugar is going high. Actually, it's been good all day, but it's just going high now. But I have to I ask know. you like, who is like your guys is like target on this? I mean, you were, you know, you're at like pre-diabetic levels because of lifestyle choices. Who is your guys is like target consumer on this? Well, the, the goal of the company is to solve the metabolic health crisis. And, yeah. and I call it a crisis because it is currently globally growing at an increasing rate. So the, yep. the number <laughs> of people, and, and, and this is specifically avoidable chronic illness. So, mm -hmm. you know, metabolic health underlies all of the, like all of the cells in your body need to be able to function optimally or, or well in order to, to stay healthy. And so yeah, as great. your, as that like process starts to break down, lots of different tissues are affected. So when we say, when we say chronic illness, like we're not just talking about diabetes, type two diabetes, yeah. by the way, we're also talking about heart disease. We're talking about Alzheimer's and dementia, which are on the rise. Uh, yeah. Alzheimer's is being called type three diabetes today because of the insulin resistance in the brain. Um, uh, we're talking about stroke. We're talking about amputations and blindness. Like there's all of these downstream effects. Mm -hmm. And this is truly a crisis. It's just that we call it by a bunch of different things. So people hear, yeah. they hear all these different labels and they think they're different illnesses. Reality is that many, many, many of these, and in the U S it's on the order of 120 million cases, uh, <sighs> are avoidable and preventable in the beginning. It's just caused by chronic lifestyle choices. And our belief is that people don't want to be healthy. They just lack better information. They lack tangible yeah. information, right? It's one thing to tell someone you need to eat healthier and work out more. It's another mm -hmm. thing to be able to say lunch one hour ago was not good for you. You should try yeah. to change that up. Right. That, and that. and to have your body tell you that, you know, it's a very different experience. And so, uh, that's the goal of the company is to eventually get to the point where we have essentially immersed this technology into society in a way that it, it's no longer assumed that it's for uh, you know, either the, the biohacker who just, you know, has a lot yeah. of extra money to spend and it's a little toy for extra data or the person who has a serious diagnosis of existing mm -hmm. of some existing condition that it is, you know, it's out there in a mainstream way where it's as common to see someone, uh, monitoring their biological health or their metabolic health as it is today to see someone with a step counter or a heart rate monitor, uh, to, in my opinion, they're fundamentally the same. It is, it is yeah. you learning from you. That's what I love about levels is it gives you that conscious decision of like, okay, I just had like pancakes for breakfast. And now at 10 o'clock, I feel like crap. Cause for example, last night I, um, and like my blood sugar shot up and I just feel like crap. And so mm. these people that, you know, they don't have this monitor on them. They can't really tell. I mean, that's going to be life-changing in a way of understanding, okay, I can't make these lifestyle decisions anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's so interesting because, um, it can, it can kind of be 
a lot of people think it's very intuitive. They're like, oh yeah, of course, yeah. you know, if you eat a bag of candy, it's going to, your blood sugar is going to go through the roof. Well, I, I knew mm-hmm. that abstractly, right? I knew that from biochemistry or whatever, but I didn't mm-hmm. actually know it until I ate uh, what was actually just brown rice or a sweet potato and yeah. saw the, the way that my blood sugar responded to that. I mean, that was such a learning moment for me that I, yeah. I actually, and I described my sweet tooth earlier, I have not touched candy since that first CGM experience. And, and that is yeah. something that if you had told my family that would happen, I, I mean, I was such an obsessed <laughs> candy eater, they would never believe it. And uh, the reality is that I, I saw the degree to which my body was affected by what I thought were very healthy, complex carbohydrates. And I knew intuitively, okay, you know, a, a couple of Skittles, which are just pure sugar, just pure yeah. refined sugar oh, going God. straight to the bloodstream is a disaster. And, and, you know, for someone like me who who it does have cardiovascular disease and Alzheimer's disease that run in my family. I I'm optimizing for both the long-term and the short-term. I don't yeah. want these crashes and this fatigue that I'm experiencing. So I want to, I want to improve these roller coasters I'm riding, but at the same time, mm-hmm. I want to make the decision that's going to keep me healthy in the long-term. You know, I don't yeah. know what's coming in life and, and I, I just want to optimize. And I think everyone experiences that same thing when they see the data, it's like, it's a, it, and I'm not by the way, correlating food with cigarettes, but if, if a smoker could see the effect on their lungs oh, of yeah. each cigarette, I don't think smoking would be as common. It, you know, it's the fact that you can kick the can down the road that allows that to, to continue being a habit. And I, I think this is somewhat similar, similar in concept where we can, we can shine a light on each of those yeah. little micro decisions and show you potentially what is a better option instead, you know? I love that. Yes. And for all entrepreneurs listening out there, maybe that is a business idea where you can actually quantify how bad cigarettes are for you. Right. Like levels is doing it for food. But that's like with rice. Like I used to eat rice for lunch. Like for lunch, I always have like chicken, spinach and carrots. But I used to have rice in there, but I took it out because my blood sugar after it would spike. And so mm. when people are able to see that data, um, I think that there will be conscious decisions made on, okay, I should not be doing this again. And that's the, that's what I love. What's what Lovers is trying to solve. Yeah. You know, it's funny that the rice thing, it's some people seem to do quite well with it, but for the most part, yeah. rice is just, it's a processed grain, you know, and, and it mm-hmm. breaks down quite quickly. And what, what's amazing is like for people like yourself who, who have had diabetes for a long time and have had this, this data stream, it's all almost like second nature now, you know, and, and I I love that because it is, it's a demonstration of exactly what we want to achieve for the whole population. And Mm -hmm. historically, these devices have been hard to get. They they've been complicated and expensive. And, and the, the beauty I think of, of what we're trying to achieve is that by opening up the technology to the entirety of the population, as opposed to a, you know, a small subset that have a, Mm -hmm. you know, a condition like type one, I will be able to unlock the mechanisms of economies of scale. So the, the yep. supply and demand changes dramatically. And, you know, when you're talking about literally 100 X, the number of potential people or a thousand X unit economics start to change, right? If you, if you can make that happen and you have a price conscious consumer, who's now uh, purchasing that product, it creates downward price pressure. Yep. And I think eventually it makes this technology, which is I, I can only imagine has how beneficial it's been to the type one community. Oh, it yeah. can make it that much better, that much more available, that much more affordable. And that's our goal is like, uh, you know, we, we, we do not intend to um, interfere in any way. We only want positive benefits for yeah. this technology and for everyone who needs it in the long term. I think everyone with diabetes, of course, I mean, it's, it's, in my opinion, it is unbelievable that there is any person who is managing diabetes without a CGM. I, I don't understand oh, how it's possible. It's like the most understand. impressive thing, <laughs> but, um, 
but yeah, I, I want to make sure that that happens and more that, that anyone who, who wants to learn about their bodies and potentially avoid preventable, you know, type two, uh, or, or just wants to feel better has access to the tech. That's yeah. But before I was, cause I got my CGM, I'm on Dexcom. So I got my CGM about two years ago, actually this July and before my like A1C was probably like at 11, which is awful. And now it's at like six, which is pretty manageable. That's um, amazing. But that, that is one thing that I love about levels is like, also like you guys are really, I want to say like kind of catapulting the industry into like such like a data driven, like data driven decision, like world um, for CGMs. And that's one thing that I got to like applaud you because the, the data that you get from your Dexcom apps now, like it's great, but like you're not able to make conscious decisions. And now that Levels is able to provide that, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I think it's, if you think about heart rate and heart rate variability, for example, um, yeah. you know, the, the, the sensors that, that measure those metrics are, uh, they're like little LED, uh, op, they're optical measurements, right? So, yeah. um, and what is interesting is that technology was developed 30 years ago. It was originally used mm-hmm. in hospitals to monitor patients and, yeah. uh, and then in like the lab for research. And it took a very long time, but eventually um, they became commoditized. It became readily accessible. And what's interesting is like, you look at a Whoop or an Aura or an Apple Watch, yeah. and what makes them a you know an extremely valuable product that helps people understand the effects of exercise and the quality or the quality of their sleep is the software. It's the it's the behavior yeah. change experience that takes that raw data and leads you to a conclusion. It it, it does the analysis for you and just tells yep. you you know more about it. That's what Levels wants to do for the raw data coming from a CGM is like exactly what's happened with heart rate and heart rate variability. You take this little multi-cent, you know, whatever it is, sensor package and turns it into an experience that is a durable good that people want and, and love using day after day. And uh, that's the direction I think, you know, it's great that the hardware has been developed to, to the yeah. degree it has. The software has historically lagged and we have a great opportunity to, to change that. I love it. And we are run, winding down on time. I could talk to you for like five hours, like straight. Um, <laughs> but two more questions for you real quick. If you could have one person market your company, be like an endorser, an ambassador for you, who would it be? Ooh, that's a great question. Uh, I'm going to send yeah, you I, a clip right after this. So you make sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will have to say Robin from Peloton, Robin Arzone. So she, okay. she is a killer trainer. She's got an amazing persona. And uh, in history, she's also type one and, you know, she, oh, she know crushes it. Yeah. And so she's familiar with CGM. I think it just a, a really powerful role model for fitness and has a ton of followers and in for good reason, cause she like leads people to better health. So it, it would be awesome to, <laughs> to have her on our team. I would say. <laughs> I love that. And then last question, just a holistic question. If you could go back and give yourself advice. So when you're young twenties, I know you were very successful back then too. Um, but what would it, what would it be? Good question. There would be a lot. I think I would have to, hopefully I'd have a heads up so I could like, <laughs> eat healthier. Eat healthier. <laughs> yeah. Hand over a book. Yeah. It would be, it, yeah. it would probably be something like, um, we talked about it at the beginning, the types of people to surround yourself with and awesome. I would. It, yeah. I, I would probably give myself some recommendations to to find people who are doing things that are impressive relative to the, the others in their field. And I think that's typically related to like rate of change, velocity, how quickly they accomplish things and yeah. spend time with them. You know what I mean? It's like, 
there are really smart people who have a lot of information, but what I think is most important is how is that information being translated into outcomes? And so find the people who are doing that process and they're typically not the best in their field. They probably have a lot of people to lean (laughs) on for that, but they are certainly the best at getting stuff done. I love that. Josh, thank you so much for joining us. You were awesome. You were very sharp mind. I could just tell right away. I was like, holy smokes, this dude, this dude's got something going on. Um, But Josh, where can people find you or where can people check out the website? Can you just plug all that, uh, all best forces for that? Totally. Yeah. Right now, uh, the best place is levelsouth.com. The blog is a great place to start, by the way, if you want to learn more about our company. It's very good. I love that you've, you've been in there. It's, uh, you know, we, one of the core components of what we're trying to do is educate people about what metabolic health is metabolic fitness, and then why it's relevant. So start with the blog. I think it's a great, great place. We'd love feedback on it. And then you can also find us at levels on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and we're currently in a closed beta. So we're still developing our software. We're still getting closer to launch. Um, but you know, please reach out, sign up for, for the waitlist or the newsletter, and we will be in touch. And then you can follow me at Joshua's forest with two R's on Twitter. Perfect. Everybody, that was an awesome episode. Josh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so, so much. That was a great episode. Ryan, thanks a lot for having me on, man. I appreciate the a the awareness that you have of, of what we're building and then also just the, uh, the really insightful questions. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you, Josh, so much. <laughs> thank you.